come into the presence of a holy God the whole way we view who we are how we move why we do what we do is changed when was the last time you just praised God said God you are so holy when was the last time you just said God you are so distinct so unique completely unlike anybody in today's message we will see heavenly beings crying out holy holy, holy to God. We worship a holy God. Like Pastor Daniel said, he is distinct, unique, and completely unlike anybody. When we enter into his presence, his holiness changes us. It changes how we see ourselves and how we see the world. When is the last time you entered his presence and truly worshiped him for his holiness? Come. Enter into worship today with the heavens. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 4 as he begins his message, Heavenly Songs. I had this great experience just recently with my wife, Lynn, and our daughter, Maranatha. Maranatha was, if you've never met my little daughter, I mean, I think she's cute, but obviously I'm biased. But uh, she's got this great little curly hair. She, gets, she looks like a little cute female version of me, with no beard, of course. Praise God. But she's got this great curly hair, and if you've ever met my bride, Lynn, um, her hair is straight. And so Lynn was using a curling iron. But Maranatha didn't know what it was, and so she's like, Mom, what does that thing do? And then Lynn, like, well, look at my hair. And Maranatha said, oh, it makes your hair straight? <laughs> I hit the floor laughing because, you know, for a girl with really curly hair, when you look at it, Lynn's hair had a nice wave to it, but her hair's not curly, right? And it really shows the, what perspective gives you. For a girl with curly hair, putting a curling iron in and only gives it a little wave, it doesn't look curly still, even though it's a curling iron. I was thinking also about some friends of mine who, when they had their son, he wasn't expected to live but a couple of minutes. It was a, it was a tragic story and pregnancy, and I ended up in the hospital with them before their son was born. And, but that son lived for three months. They were able to take him home. And then he passed. And in any scenario, losing a child at three months is awful. Except for a family who didn't expect to have 10 minutes with a child. And then those three months are what? They're miraculous. They're a gift. And it shows how profound our perspectives are. It shows how profound. Now, we've been doing this Songs of Summer series, and we've been looking primarily at the songs of the Bible, primarily the Psalms. And as I was kind of mapping the series out, I was like, you know, we need some perspective other than just the human perspective. We need 
another point of view. And so, sure enough, the Lord reminded me that there is some heavenly songs that we find in our Bibles as well. And you find those in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. So I want you to open up your Bibles to the very last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at five short songs in chapters 4 and 5. Now, I know that when I ask you to open the book of Revelation, everybody kind of is like, oh, we're in Revelation. All right, the end of the world, the mark of the beast, cataclysmic disasters. But you guys know, and if you've been at Crossroads for any length of time, that word revelation, it literally means opening up a gift and seeing what's inside. The word apocalypse, although it always ends up meaning some sort of cataclysmic happening, it really just means to reveal, to, to see what's inside. And Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation isn't primarily about the end of the world. It isn't primarily about the Antichrist or the mark of the beast, although those are in there. It's primarily a book about Jesus. It's about God's desire to reveal who Jesus is. And the hardest thing that's going to be for me as we look at these two chapters is not to get stuck in the weeds of Revelation interpretation. The way the book of Revelation is laid out, you kind of have chapter one's your introduction, right? And then chapters two and three, Jesus actually writes seven letters to seven local churches. And we did a series on that like a year ago called a case study, if you want to study each one of those letters. But then in chapter four and five, we get this view of heaven. And you're going to see a number of different people who are praising God, they're praising Jesus the Son. And I really thought what was important about today's message is that for all of us, if you're listening to this right now, no matter if you're in the sanctuary with me here at Crossroads or you're watching online or you're picking this up on YouTube later, you're earthbound and you're watching this. The only way you would actually be listening to this is if you are earthbound. And Being earthbound, we are so used to seeing the world through the lenses of the culture and the the way we are experiencing life right now, which is in skin, standing on the earth. But you have to realize that the way we view the world from this vantage point, it has realities and then falsities to it. There's issues and struggles, but these songs are going to take us from our earthbound experience and say, This is what it all looks like from heaven. And what you're going to find is that in heaven, the main focus is not us and our struggles, but it's God and God's glory. And I believe that you're here today not because you want to get five steps to a new you, as much fun as that may be. You're here because you want to get a way to look at your life that doesn't take into account all of the issues of this life, but who God is. And when we see who God is, that changes the way we move in the the world. It's not just about us finding a better way to live. It's about seeing God for who he is and simply responding to Jesus. And so we're going to try and keep the focus today on who the Lord is. And I believe that who God is is so captivating, so profound, that we want to see God for who he is. And we want to praise him and live accordingly. So 
The very first song you find here is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Now I'm going to read, picking up in verse 6, just to give you a little context here. So Revelation 4, verse 6, it says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and in back. The four living creatures, the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures each had six wings and were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So you see that first song there, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, I read this description of these four living creatures, and you're all thinking to yourself, what is up with the four living creatures? And you know what the answer to that is? I don't know. There's a number of places where these living creatures show up. They show up in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel. They show up in Isaiah chapter 6. They show up in the book of Revelation. They would be called seraphim, or there's some order of angels. If you come out on Wednesday night, you notice the description. One as a calf, one as a lion, one as a man, one as an eagle. We talked about this on Wednesday night, didn't we? How all these things fit together. But this is some song of a group of angels that John is grasping using illustrative language to say this is who this person is. So these angels, what you'll notice about them, that they do not rest day or night, it says. They're continually, perpetually saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So the first thing we're going to see today is that we need to realize that holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. The Lord is holy. Now, A lot of people would say the holy, holy, holy. It's thrice holy. We don't say the word thrice very much anymore. It's an old English word. But what you have to understand is in a Jewish culture, in the Hebrew language, we they don't have adverbs. So to say he ran quickly, if you were saying it in Hebrew, you'd say he ran, ran. And that repeating of the word gives it a strong emphasis. So like a verse like in the, in the prophet Isaiah where it says, he will keep you in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it's literally, he will keep you in shalom, shalom, peace, peace, which is an amplification or an exaggeration of the word peace. Now, when you get not just holy, holy, but holy, 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 and in some translations or manuscripts, there's six holies, The idea is the emphasis of these angels on who God is, is God is completely and utterly holy. And the idea of God's holiness, of course, is that God is unique, that God is distinct. And I believe that the concept of God's holiness is maybe the greatest need in our generation. Because when you and I come into the presence of a holy God, 
The whole way we view who we are, how we move, why we do what we do is changed. When was the last time you just praised God? You said, God, you are so holy. When was the last time you just said, God, you are so distinct, so unique, completely unlike anybody? And that's why it says in the book of Leviticus and in our New Testament that you shall be holy, what? As the Lord your God is holy. So God wants to make us like him. You get that three times holy again in Isaiah chapter 6, where it's holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full with his what? With his glory. So holy is the Lord. Not only that, it says, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That word almighty, that speaks of God's power. So not only is God completely unique and wants to change us, God is also the repository of all power. There is no power that is beyond the scope of God. Now, I know there's a cute little philosophical jab that people try and give you. If God is all-powerful, can he make a stone so big he couldn't move it? And that's like fun kind of human philosophy jokes. But God can do anything God desires to do because God is God. And anything within the realm that God desires to do, God has the power to do. Now, don't miss how huge it is to say not only is God completely unique and distinct and holy, but God also has complete and total power. Now, if you not only believe in that God, but realize that you are a part of that God's family, that is a pretty awesome place to find yourself. Because most of our fear that we find in our own hearts comes from the fact that, one, we don't necessarily believe that God is holy or perfect and other, or we don't believe that God has the power to do what we need God to do. So these realities, these heavenly realities change who we are. And so it's, we see God's holiness, we see his power, and then who was and who is and who is to come. Who was in the past, who is in the present, and who is to come in the what? In the future. Which means God is not only holy and powerful, but God has control over your past, your present, and your future. Now, here's the thing. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And not only I believe it, but are you willing to hang the hat of your heart on that, that not only does God have forgiveness and healing for whatever your past is and that you don't have to be afraid of the what ifs could happen and might happen and maybe will happen of tomorrow and not only that that God is here with you with power in the present see this is why following the Lord is so profound because it's not like well listen yeah the, the past that was all jacked up in the future who knows but at least God's here right now it's the totality of our lives, and not only our lives individually, but human history as a whole. God has always been, God always will be, and God is here right now to be an ever-present help in time of need. If we were to go around the sanctuary, and don't worry, we won't, each one of us ends up having an emphasis. We either spend all of our lives looking back, trying to deal with what happened, or we spend all of our lives looking at the future, 
trying to figure out how we're gonna navigate that. And very few of us say, listen, I got the right now. Because I believe that the God who was and is and is to come, he wants us to be in the right now because Jesus said what's sufficient for the day is its own troubles. He's saying, look, yesterday was yesterday and tomorrow will be tomorrow. You got enough on your plate today. And we need to know him as the God of the present moment. What's your fear right now? What's your concern right now? Where does God want to show himself to be God in your right now? Maybe it's a healing touch. Maybe it's, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do with my job, or I have this broken relationship, or, 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 or whatever it is for you. He wants to be the God of the present moment for you. But we struggle, don't we? Many of us, the past was so messed up. Listen, there's forgiveness and healing for your past. And I realize for all of us, if you spend too much time trying to figure out tomorrow, that's a deep well. Why? Because all the possibilities are on the table, right? Anything could happen. Everything could happen. And most often, whatever we think is going to happen doesn't happen anyway. We have so much anxiety over tomorrow when God is the God of the right now because he was and he is and he is to come. Now, we get the next song in verse 9 of Revelation 4. Look what it says. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. So now, whenever these living creatures give glory to the Lord, then there's these 24 elders. Now, who are the 24 elders? I don't know. There's all sorts of ways you can interpret it. And I'm here to tell you, you find a commentator, he'll interpret it his own way. You know what? I just know that they're called 24 elders. That's all I know. I can read into it five different ways. I'm sure some of you grab me in the family room and you'll set me straight on revelation interpretation and I'll smile and say, yeah, I can find you five scholars who say completely something different. I don't know who they are. I just know what they're doing. And you know what's interesting? It doesn't even matter who they are because we're all called to follow the Lord, aren't we? It doesn't matter who they are. Who they are makes no difference at all. But what they're doing is what's important because look at what happens. What do they do? right? They fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. So they are literally prostrate. This is talking about literally being in submission before the Lord voluntarily saying, hey, you are God. You will live forever. And it says here that they cast their crowns before him. Now, this is important. This is a picture from the Roman empire When there was an emperor, there'd be all these other kings and rulers. And when the emperor would show up, all the kings who were lesser kings, they would fall down and they would take their crown off and they'd cast it before the emperor saying, look, the only reason we rule is because you rule. And then the emperor, as an act of of, of gratitude for their submission, would give them the crowns back. Now, in the book of Revelation, for those of you who like this stuff, there's actually two Greek words for the crowns that play off each other. One is the word diadem, which speaks of a king's crown. And then there's the word stephanos, which is a victor's crown. 
So one would be the crown that the Caesar would wear. Another would be the crown that like somebody who won the Olympics would wear. Which crown do you think the 24 elders are wearing? The Stephanos, the victor's crown. And they're saying, look, these 24 elders are saying, Lord, not only do we submit before you, but we give you our crown because the only reason we are victorious is why? Because you are victorious. Our victory has its root in your victory. It's not our own. It's yours, God. And isn't that a phenomenal picture of the Christian life? The Christian life says, Lord, I can live an abundant life because you did it first. The reason I can be free to live and move in this world is because you did it first. And that's the difference between somebody who follows Jesus and somebody who doesn't. Because somebody who doesn't says, I do it myself. I am empowered on my own. And we live in a culture that pushes us towards that. Like, how many kids sing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Nobody actually reads the lyrics of that song because the lyrics of that song have nothing to do with each little kid having their own little light that they shine. It's a biblical song that because he is the light of the world, we are the light of the world. But our culture wants to divorce the truth of the gospel and just, hey, little kid, let your light shine. And you know what you get when a little kid shines their light? A big old mess. Any parent will tell you. We could have hysterical times. I could tell you stories. Kids are amazing and they're totally flawed. And you know what the problem with our lives are? We're just big kids. It's not like all of a sudden you grow up and you're not capable of making a total mess. We're just older, a little bigger, a little more gray. See, we should all live our lives casting our crowns before the Lord. We say, Lord, it's not my life, it's your life. Lord, the reason I have life is because of you. Lord, I want to live a life that honors you. Because the reason I have life is because of you. That's just all the lead into the song. Because look at what the song actually says. This is beautiful. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. So now we see God as creator and sustainer. He is creator and the sustainer. He says, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. So he's saying, look, we are casting our crowns. We are putting ourselves before you. And we're saying, look, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the power. Why? For you created everything and By your will, they exist and were created. So now we see God being praised for creation. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel showed us how a change in perspective can change everything. We look at the world through our earthbound understanding, but when we step into the picture of revelation, we begin to get heaven's perspective. The main focus of our lives needs to shift off of our struggles and on to God and His glory. When you see who God is, it has the power to change how you interact with the world. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy. And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be. And it probably has been in the past. 
did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will bring us back into the throne room as we hear another song being sung. This time the angels and elders and living creatures will sing in worship of the Son. They'll be singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Jesus is worthy because he died for the sins of the world. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Songs for Summer. Until then, may God bless.